Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Joining me today, as always, is my co-hosting mate, MVG. What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. And it's going to be a busy week this week in video games. It is going to be a busy week, and it looks like Sony is going to be the company to start us off by having a new PlayStation 5 event, where we are anticipating that they will finally give us the launch day and price of the PlayStation 5. And this is following up Microsoft's announcement from last week where they were essentially forced to give us the release date and price due to leaks and it is unfortunate we didn't get to see the presentation that microsoft had in had in store for everybody because it did end up leaking over the weekend and they had great representation of their company and it was a really well done presentation where they were going to give us a lot of information about backwards compatibility the feature sets of the hardware the pricing and it's unfortunate the way things went down, but it seems like Sony's going to come into you know their presentation with no real leaks. We're still wondering about the price, the release date, launch lineup, and all that fun stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to give our predictions and ex- expectation of what Sony's going to show us on Wednesday during the PlayStation 5 conference. And we're going to start with our expectation for the PlayStation 5 launch date. We know that Microsoft is launching Xbox Series X and Series S on Tuesday, November 10th, what is your thought on when Sony is going to launch the PlayStation 5? November 20th is my my estimated time, I think. Uh, probably a little after Microsoft, just before Thanksgiving here in the US. Uh, for those overseas, <laughs> Thanksgiving will be, is it the 27th, I think? It's the 27th? Uh, 26th. 26th. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say... Between or yeah, between Microsoft and Thanksgiving here in the United States, uh, Microsoft will get about a week and a bit head start, but it won't matter because when uh, the Sony PlayStation Five goes on sale later on in November, it's just going to absolutely sell out pretty much immediately. So, yeah, that's what I would think. What What do you think? Yeah, I was also thinking about November twentieth. Even though I have to admit, Sony, uh, Microsoft did throw me off a bit that they're launching on a Tuesday and not a Friday, because Friday has become kind of the norm for new product launches, especially in recent years. Nintendo launches their new games on Friday. They also launched the Switch on a Friday, and I believe the PlayStation Three was launched on. I was it a Friday or a Thursday? Ooh, I don't remember. I mean, it's many it's years going, ago. It's going now. back a long time. We're going back to two thousand and five, Nate. <laughs> Uh, 2006. 2006. I, I can't really remember that far back as far yeah, as days. I can't recall. Days. But it was the first day of Friday. Yeah. yeah, PlayStation 4 was a Friday. Yes, I remember and that very well. Yes. So I'm going to write off the first week of November because that is the presidential election on that Tuesday. I don't think Sony is going to try to launch hardware that same week. That's going to be a very chaotic week for you know just the country and mm-hmm. if not the world so it's best to avoid that week then we have microsoft on the 10th i don't see sony launching just three days after that so either the 17th or the 20th makes the most sense to me and it makes sense with the new information that came out today and for those who don't know what that information may have been it's that sony is going to air freight playstation 5 to meet demand and supply in north america and They're using air because it's faster to ship. And it looks like this is going to start in October. They're going to begin shipping the PlayStation 5s. And air freight is substantially faster than using sea transportation. It's also also substantially more expensive, though. Yes. Yes, it is. And 
the pricing of these units and now pricing of shipping is definitely going to play a factor into what we're going to see from you know sony with the playstation 5 they could be potentially looking at some heavy losses to maybe gain a strong foothold and install base in you know in these opening months and yeah air faster you're going to get a lot more units here so you're going to have hopefully a steady supply to retailers across the country but they're going to eat a substantial amount of like profit there because c is slower but it's far cheaper so it's good on sony it's clear that they want to sell as many units as they can before this quarter ends or before this year ends and you know it's going to come at a hit at their wallet but maybe it plays off for them we still don't know about stock allocation for the xbox series s or x we don't know which of those two models microsoft is going to favor when it comes to stocking retail shelves so if sony and we've seen some of the speculation where sony is hoping to have i believe it's about 10 million units by the end of march if you can ship 5 million units before the holiday season's over you're going to sell out of every single one Mm -hmm. if microsoft comes in at a lower number i mean then sony's off to a really strong start they're going to you know they're going to take a firm lead potentially worldwide and they may not give that up in 2021 to Microsoft because we know Microsoft's software troubles. We're aware that, you know, we don't know when Halo Infinite is going to come out. It remains undated. And a lot of Microsoft's first-party games seem to be slated closer to 2022. So, you know, this gamble by Sony of paying more for shipping could work, you know, work out for them in the long run. So with that information, I would say we're probably looking at a middle to second half of november release so either the 17th or the 20th is my guess and since we're talking about pricing a bit what do you think they're gonna price these two playstation 5 models at because they do have the digital only playstation 5 and then they have the standard disc playstation 5 i think and you know i i'm not as confident about this as i i guess i was maybe a month ago especially after we've seen, you know, Microsoft show their hand with the Series S. But I've always said that it's going to be a 499 system, uh, 499s for the, just the physical system with the Blu-ray player and 399 for the all digital. But I, I will say that I'm a little, I'm not as confident about that pricing as maybe I used to be, but I still, you know, if I was going to go to a bookie and, and put a bet down on this, I would still, I would still say four ninety nine, three ninety nine. But you know, yeah, my my confidence level has dropped a little bit since you know maybe a month ago. That is aggressive pricing on the digital edition coming in at three ninety nine. I think I'm going to go a slightly different way, and I'm going to go kind of on each side of the coin. One of these two models is going to be priced at four ninety nine. My struggle is I don't know if the other one is going to come in at three or four forty nine or five forty nine. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting a hundred dollar difference for this for basically the lack of a disc tray because at a hundred dollars, it's kind of like you you're going to make a conscious decision of well, it's a hundred dollar difference for some that can be a significant amount of money and you're going to buy the cheaper skew. And to others, it's going to be, well, I'll just buy the one that has the Blu-ray drive because it gives me the flexibility and the option of physical media and digital media. And that's beneficial to me because I can take advantage of, you know, Black Friday sales and I don't have to deal with some of the headaches where digital games are sometimes overpriced or they don't 
always have as steep of a discount as you what you see in retail depending on the region you live because like in europe digital games sometimes are significantly higher priced than what you see at retail in north america it's kind of the opposite we see very drastic sales on the digital stores and retail is slower to get to those prices so it's tough for me to gauge that because i need to kind of wonder what of the two models sony is going to aggressively want to sell is their favor the digital version or the blu-ray drive version of the playstation 5 i think it's the digital and that's why i i I say it's a hundred dollars i mean look hundred dollars is a ridiculous price cut for a system that Mm -hmm. is identical to each other save for the blu-ray drive which what bill of materials is what 20 bucks maybe maybe 20 bucks probably 10 bucks or something like the math doesn't add up but i think i think what sony's really banking on for the digital is yes i do think that they they um are going to want to push people towards the digital and get that to be the dominant system not immediately um but you know over time uh you know maybe 18 months from now two years from now because i mean Uh physical media is, is slowly dying off i mean you keep looking at statistics and and numbers about digital sales versus physical sales you know digital is is just is it's is the future and look it pains me to say that because i i love physical media but it's just the way things are and you know i think sony is really basically telling us that look you buy the digital system you're going to get it for a hundred dollars cheaper which is a fantastic deal and why wouldn't you get that but keep in mind you are now tied to our digital store, right? So that's uh-huh. the that's your only option at this point. So we are going to basically, you know, that, that's how we're going to make our money back on you for, is, is via the digital storefront. And also keep in mind that the, the drive, um, we don't know anything about the expansions as far as cost of additional storage space. Obviously, that is less of a factor with physical, although, I mean, you still install the whole damn game on the drive anyway. So it's, I guess maybe it's, that's not really that important as far as having the physical copies. But yeah, I mean, I think for me, they they really want to push the digital storefront and and I think they're aggressively pricing the digital system as as a $399 system or, or $100 less than the, than the physical one. But again, all speculation, man. Like I, I'm less confident about, about that than maybe I was, you know, couple weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean your line of thinking makes you know perfect sense you come in at 399 and 499 and to the consumer especially on that like psychological level 399 it looks really compelling it's less than 400 dollars when you register in your mind and i mean as we all know at the taxes it's more than 400 dollars but it's all about that mental trick Mm -hmm. even 499 it's less than 500 dollars and we've already seen microsoft take advantage of that when they price series x at four ninety nine, they want the consumer to believe they're not spending five hundred dollars on a product. Well, yeah, because you're technically not. Whereas instead of coming in at you know just a hundred dollar difference, Series S is coming in at two ninety nine, which I mean that's really cheap. It's the price of a current Switch. Yep. And you know Microsoft, it's a gamble for them to price Series S at that price. We've seen the reports already come out that have suggested that Microsoft is taking a substantial hit on both Series X and Series S, maybe in the area of 100 to $150 a unit. And Sony's going to be faced with the exact same issue with these units. The 
big difference between Microsoft and Sony in this case, though, is that both PlayStation 5 SKUs have identical hardware in them. There is no, you know, down clocking. There is no difference in the GPU performance, whereas, you know, that's what we're seeing with Microsoft Series X significantly outperforms the Series S. So it kind of makes sense why Series S is the budget version, whereas the only difference between PlayStation 5s is one has a disk drive, the other doesn't. And as you pointed out, that's only about a $10 to $20 mm-hmm. you know, build of material cost. It's minuscule. And a $100 price reduction is fairly significant. It means you're going to lose more on that unit, but you could potentially make up that difference with strong digital sales or even accessory sales. And that's what we saw Sony do with the PlayStation 4. They started selling PlayStation 4 at a loss, but they had anticipated that they would break even or make up the loss with the purchase of a controller, a first-party game, a PlayStation Plus subscription. And I believe it was by May of the following year, so just six months, PlayStation 4s were being sold for profit. Mm -hmm. And that's an amazing turnaround for any type of game console. And I don't think we're going to see that quick of a turnaround with the PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series S or X. And that's where I still struggle with the idea of, you know, really pricing these. I could see them come in still at $499 and one of these at $549 or $449. And, you know, you still create that illusion of value. But it, it, to me, it really just comes down to which of those two models do they want to push. Because we saw, like, the PlayStation 3 launch with two SKUs. We had a 60 gigabyte and a 20 gigabyte. The 20 gigabyte one basically vanished from store shelves within three months. They, I believe they stopped manufacturing them. I think it's going to go the other way with the physical. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to vanish in, in 12 months, but the physical will, you know, will be phased out over, 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 you know, over the duration of the life cycle of the system. But I think the digital one is the one that will kind of just stay firm, hold firm as, as the dominant system. Yeah, I can see that too. It's, it's going to be interesting how they price it because right now Microsoft has set themselves up in a very strong position. They're creating that value. They're using the idea of you get the Series S, you have Game Pass. Yes, the backwards compatibility games aren't going to be running at the 4K like you get on a One X, but it's still going to be that platform that if you have a 1080p screen and you don't care about 4K, you're going to be able to enjoy all those games. You're going to be playing Madden because now that you have EA Play, also known as EA Access, as part of Game Pass Ultimate, yep. you're going to have Madden. You're going to have, you know, NBA, NHL, FIFA. You're going to have all those casual appealing games. Part of that, and you might say, for two ninety nine plus Game Pass, I'm getting access to hundreds of games day one, and it only cost me, what? I mean, a three month subscription is like forty dollars. So for less than three hundred fifty bucks, you have a lot to game. Mm-hmm. Sony doesn't have like they have PlayStation now. It's they, not even fair to they compare have nothing, that to Game Pass. They have nothing to compete with that. I mean, let's be honest; right. they, they have zero to compete with that. And uh, I, man, see the thing is, fifty dollars between systems. I mean, look for all intents and purposes, it should be a fifty dollar price difference based on the Blu-ray player. But mm-hmm. it that I mean, that, how do you market a fifty dollar reduction? You know, like with one system to the other which are identical except for one feature. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like that, that for me, that, that almost seems like what is the purpose of having two systems? If, if you're essentially selling yeah. the same thing except for one feature that most people, let's be honest, 
based on statistics aren't really interested in. So, you know, that's where I feel like it's more than a $50 price cut or a price difference. It's, it's, it's a hundred dollars, but your point about maybe, maybe the physical is five forty nine and the digital is four ninety nine. That that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with as well in, in that I think it might be something that Sony could potentially bring to the presentation and announce as their prize, because that is that whole perception thing where one of them is over four ninety nine. Well, that's that's way too expensive. I ain't paying that. But the other <laughs> one is you know four ninety nine. It's under five. Oh, that's the system that I want. So that you know that kind of um, model could fit here. But um, yeah, I mean, if you want to be aggressive about it, and you know you're going to take a loss on it, um, I think three ninety nine is the sweet spot for for the digital. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes... It doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the gaming blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. Do you think there's any chance that we see Mark uh, Sony price the Blue Drive version, Blu-ray Drive version of the PlayStation Five at five ninety nine, and we Ooh. see the disc-free version, the digital-only PlayStation Five, come in at four ninety nine. I mean, if they want to go back to the bad old days of the launch of the PlayStation Three, <laughs> I mean, they're welcome to do that. But I would have felt that they've learned from their mistakes of that era, coming out with a a system that's just really overpriced, especially in this economy. You know, I. I, I doubt it, but, you know, it's Sony, man. I mean, you know, it could be arrogant Sony once again, right? I mean, they had such a great, <laughs> great generation with the PS4. They may just go back to their old ways of thinking that, you know, we're the best and we'll do whatever we want and we'll we'll price this, you know, and, and try to make a profit from it from day one. It's possible. It's possible they could go really high with the system, but, and look, it would still probably sell out, right? The initial allocations would still yeah. sell out because... The hardcore fans, I mean, you and I are probably going to get one. You know, I definitely want to review one for the channel. Uh, it would still hurt, though, spending that much money on a game console. Like, that would hurt, you know. And right. I, I think, I think, I don't know how well that would be received by, by the general public, you know. And, and I don't know how the sales numbers would be 12, mo- 12 months into the launch of the system at that, that price. Yeah, that's the good point there, is that it would launch well, Whatever they shipped, they would sell out before this year is over. They would probably continue to sell out until their fiscal year ended in March. But then you'd kind of have to wonder, what about six, eight months out? Are people going to be willing to potentially spend you know, $600 on the system? Or are they finally going to realize and look at it and say, economically, I haven't recovered yet. Maybe the jobs have been re-furloughed. Maybe you're back on unemployment and there is no, you know, there is no stimulus or unemployment benefits 
to offset some of those income losses. And, you know, $600 is a lot for a system now. Like, we don't know what early 2021 could bring. We don't know the long-term effects of everything happening right now and how that can trickle down into next year. And $600 would be a high price for Sony. I'm not going to dismiss, you know, the possibility of it. These are very advanced pieces of hardware. They're expensive. The technology in them is expensive. We've seen some of the preliminary build of material costs. Yep. They could easily go to $600 if they just want to make a little bit of a profit or even break even. And now if you factor in air freight, yeah, you know, $600 might kind of sit there and say, guys, we're, we're even losing money here. I was going to ask you about that. So Sony, I mean, Sony could either eat the cost of that air freight, which, man, I don't know how many millions of dollars. That, that would be a lot of money, right? Versus pushing it onto the cost of the system, you know, pushing it back onto right. the customer. And that is a very interesting point, you know. And I guess my question is, do you know if they were always planning on doing air freight or they was it kind of initially just going to be the, the, the sea freight option? Um, but now they're really kind of trying to get the system out as quickly as they can. So they kind of pivoted to the the air freight that's a great question i'm not sure what their original plan was i know sometimes these companies do look to air especially around the holidays if they're seeing you know strong sales like you see nintendo if they're selling out of switches all the time they might say guys we have to you know switch to air because we can't keep up with demand so i could see maybe they had the idea in their minds to do that because they just want to make sure they have a you know good flow of inventory for the entire holiday season but at the same time if you could have Maybe it's also a delay in just manufacturing. Maybe they're not getting the units produced as quickly as they had hoped. Yep. And now it's just kind of like, hey, we're going to hit this number on this date. We have to do them by air because the amount of time it's going to be used to ship for sea. We just can't afford that luxury right now. We have to get these things into the warehouses and ship to retailers and you know, sell, sell, sell. It's, I mean, there's a lot of factors at play here. There's a lot of variables. And... That's, I mean, it's a it's a tough situation for you know Sony to be in for pricing this. Microsoft's price is out there. Will Sony have to respond to that and say, guys, we have to adjust our price? Maybe we're going to go to that lower end of the spectrum that we were looking at in our range of possibilities because Microsoft came in lower than we were anticipating. Yeah, it's interesting to see how this is going to play out. I can't wait to see, you know, them announce the pricing on Wednesday if they do come out and they say five hundred ninety nine U.S. dollars again. <laughs> I can see the internet reaction being, oh, no. Oh, no. Let me get my credit card out and, and pre-order it immediately. <laughs> right? And say, well, it's cry. <laughs> but I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting. But I guess the big determining factor here, and we'll talk about it right now, is that launch lineup. Yes. We, we have an idea of like third-party support. You know, We know we're going to see the Maddens, NBA 2Ks. We know we're going to get an Assassin's Creed, Cyberpunk. But I, that's not why you buy brand new hardware. You buy brand new hardware for the exclusives, something that Microsoft is unfortunately sorely lacking with the Halo delay, but they still have the medium. Yep. And Sony's, Sony's announced a lot of software. They gave us a general idea of when to expect Insomniac's Spider-Man Miles Morales. They said holiday 2020 back when they showed the game in June. And aside from that, they didn't actually give us any indication of what games would be coming out this holiday. The only hint we've had is that I believe it was the South Korean ratings board had given a rating to Demon Souls. And if we looked at the history of these ratings, they had rated Bloodborne 
about three months before the game released. And right around the time that this rating appeared, we were looking at about a three-month window from November. Mm -hmm. So Demon's Souls is looking like it has the potential to be a launch game for the PlayStation 5 with Miles Morales probably within the launch window. Launch window, in this case, I'm going to assign till the end of March. And my expectation is that for launch window, before I get into actually like launch week, launch window, I'm expecting to see Demon Souls, Ratchet and Clank, Spider-Man Miles Morales, and I think it rounds off with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, or whatever it's called, Horizon 2. Yep. And I also think the Little Big Planet spinoff, which I, was it Sackboy's World? Yep. Or Sackboy, A Big Adventure. I think that I think Sackboy actually makes launch day. I think that's going to be their casual, family-friendly game for launch day, with Demon Souls being the hardcore, I'm going to kick your ass game. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are the two launch day games. Yep. The other games I mentioned are launch window, with like bug snacks probably coming out also within that launch window. But as far as like the big Sony retail games, say Spider-Man, Ratchet and Clank, Horizon, Little Big Planet, Demon Souls, all within the first six months. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think, um, you know, Miles Morales and Ratchet are, are um, launch window games. You know, I, I think there was probably some expectation that Miles Morales would be there on launch day as a, as a launch title, but, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe there was some speculation that that was going to happen, but you know, I I don't think so. I mean, I I think this is very aggressive for for both Microsoft and Sony to, to get and and Somniac basically to get, you know, two games ready to go. Yeah, I I would agree. I, I think, if there's any surefire game that's coming, it's Demon Souls on launch day. And yeah, I think the Sackboy game is is probably the other game that we'll see on the day of launch. What about um, Returnal though? Was that something that was a part of the, the launch window plans? Oh yeah, I forgot about that game. I wonder oh. uh, where that where that fits. I, I don't think that's a launch game either, but I, I, I wonder if that's a launch title, or sorry, a launch window game that we'll see. Yeah, I could see that making launch window. I mean, I think Sony's going to have a very strong first 12 to 13 months. So yeah. I'm talking, you know, November launch until the end of 2021. And I've said this before. I believe every game outside of the Square Enix Project Athia showcase, I think every other game that we saw at Sony's June showing yeah. is going to make those first 12 months that was sony's first year lineup and that includes gran turismo 7 and everything else and that is an amazing first year it reminds me of nintendo back in 2017 where they're just going to come out with some of their strongest ips and say here we are compete with us and it's kind of refreshing to see sony come out so aggressive with this type of you know software lineup because typically it takes a little time for sony to really get their footing I'd say the PlayStation 4 didn't really hit its footing until Bloodborne came out. Yeah. Maybe to some, I mean, maybe some infamous Second Son was when they gained the footing. Maybe, right. maybe Mac was enough for some people. I mean, a, a launch of a new console is always a little shaky. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, a, a, a lull or a, a quiet period while, you know, the manufacturer and the hardware companies and 
the third parties and the publishers are all getting you know getting a foothold on everything but yeah i mean i i agree with you i think sony does have a, a very strong first year of games and yeah i mean i think everything we saw at the at the event was was a you know a first year game after the launch of the system so you know you may not be getting you know miles morales on launch day but you're going to be getting a really good lineup of games in the first 12 months and that's going to be enough for sony to really just yeah i mean like i said just take take the lead from microsoft pretty quickly and just kind of steam on ahead as as the leader again i mean it, it's you know they're setting themselves up for a great generation and i think a very strong first 12 months will, will really get them there and yeah i i i agree with with, with everything you said I, I guess my my other question is where does resident evil 8 village fit into this i know we'll probably are we going to see something at tokyo game show of, of that game and and maybe some more info about when we'll see that but i'm expecting like next year right for that yeah, I'm expecting something similar to what Capcom has been doing with all their big releases over the last well, maybe three years, and they position it between January and March that they try to end their fiscal year yeah. with a major release because we've had like Devil May Cry 5, I believe, came out in what, what January or February. Yep. Resident Evil 3 Remake came out also within that three-month time frame. Resident Evil 2 Remake came out in January. Monster Hunter World as well was another early release. So I think Resident Evil 8 can be positioned in, you know, a February or a March release, and that'll do well for them. I do wonder if they try to... They'll probably wait for Tokyo Game Show to date and show more of that game, because it is still, you know, it's a, still a Japanese game, mm-hmm. but it has Western appeal. So I don't think they would necessarily have to have it but at, like, the upcoming event, but... yeah. It's still, you know, it's within that first, you know, it's in those first few months. It's in its launch window, and that's a strong third-party game to have. And, yeah, it's not exclusive to them, but they're probably going to have the marketing deal for it. And, you know, when people are going to think of Resident Evil Village, they're going to think, you know, PlayStation. You're going to see all the commercials. It's going to end with the PlayStation logo. Yep. And that's great for Sony. And that's where those first six months could be really, really strong and software output for the PlayStation 5. And when you do factor in those exclusives from Sony's first-party publishers and, you know, developers, if you do have Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Ratchet and Clank, and Demon's Souls, and Horizon, and the Little Big Planet game, if you have all that stuff in those first few opening months, it's a big game every single month. And that's the type of momentum you want to sell hardware. You don't want just that one big launch game and then you wait six months for something else. And I also think that's why based on these games that we're expecting in those first six months, you do want to space those out a bit. You don't want to do what you did with the PlayStation Vita and you cram every game you have within that first month. And then you say, oh, we don't have any more games. Yeah, run out of games. It's literally running out of games. (laughs) (laughs) You you space these out a little bit if you can, you know, afford some time. And I don't think, you know, Sony has to force it. I mean, Demon's Souls is a highly anticipated release. Yes, it's a bit niche and overall appeal. It's not going to convince everybody to buy a PlayStation 5, but it will convince enough people because some are just going to be tempted by the lore of the game. Everyone's heard of its difficulty. It's internet famous. Yep. You may not have played it on the PlayStation 3. It's You can't play it on the PS4, so you might sit there and say, now's my chance. Ratchet & Clank looks to be doing really exciting things with the SSD and how it's seamlessly you know, transitions into the world. That's exciting. 
And, you know, the rest of the software just looks fun. Little Big Planet or Sackboy's Big Adventure has the co-op play. That's a nice family-friendly, you know, fun game. And then we also have to factor in, like, the indie games, like Bug Snacks and stuff like that. Yeah. But they're going to, I mean, launch window, I'd say PlayStation 5 is looking pretty strong. In contrast, you have the Xbox Series X, which is strong when it comes to backwards compatibility with Game Pass. The medium looks like a great early exclusive. And it's going to have Resident Evil Village. You just don't have that strong first-party software, you know, output yet. Microsoft is going to get there. They yeah. will get there in late 2021, early 2022, and we're going to have a completely different story to tell once that begins to happen. But Sony's launch, I think it's going to be one of their strongest. In it might be their strongest actually. When I think back to like PlayStation 2's launch, wasn't particularly amazing. PS3 had Motor Storm and Untold Legends. PS4 had Knack, which, you know, it's the game of the generation, and, according to some. And Resogun, so, come on. Resogun was great. It was a great game. Resogun was great, but it's no Knack. <laughs> so, <laughs> but PS5 is looking is looking like a really strong launch for Sony, and, and I can't wait to see them date some of the software and if they do date what we just said as you know that first six month window they have a great a great opening lineup and they can cap it off with horizon in march mm-hmm. that's a sh- they're gonna have a strong quarter of software sales so we, we recently saw ubisoft um bring the release dates up for some of their next gen games for the xbox launch on november 10th do you think that will have any bearing or any impact or do you think sony's worried about about that at all that that Microsoft gets kind of first crack at, at next generation games, albeit from a third party? Not really. Only because we've seen some of these presentations of these games, and unfortunately, many of them are cross-generation. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not, not, not going to be anything mind-blowing. Um, right. I mean, I know we're getting 60 frames Assassin's Creed, which is which is a mm-hmm. nice nice touch to, to, you know, to have. But, I mean, by rights, I mean, that should be the, the standard for pretty much any game that we get yeah. next generation anyway, you know? Yeah, and I think that's where it's kind of like, you're not going to have this great display of, you know, the next-gen capabilities with cross-gen games. And then, like, right now, Resident Evil Village, I believe, has only been announced for PS5 and the Series X. It hasn't been announced for PS4 or the Xbox One. So as far as we can tell, it's, you know, it's the next-gen-only game. I'm sure they have plans to bring it to current gen because it's just too big of a base to ignore and that game had to cost a lot of money yeah but if it's being developed with the next gen in mind first and foremost that's a good third-party display of next gen assassin's creed you know it's kind of it's a glimmer it's a glimpse of what next gen can do it's cool for microsoft if they can leverage it well and they can leverage like a cyberpunk Mm -hmm. well say look how great it is on our new system Maybe if I'm Sony, I just kind of sit there and say, okay, that's your advantage right now, but we have first-party games. We have exclusives. Yeah. We have stuff you guys don't have. We're going to showcase some of the stuff better than you can. But, I mean, each each of the console manufacturers have their own slight advantage coming into launch. Right. So I'd, I'd give a little favor to Sony just due to the exclusive front, whereas Microsoft, you're yeah, you're going to have some of those third-party games first. You're going to have a stronger backwards compatibility library. You're going to be upgrading some of those games to 4K or 120 frames a second. 
and you know that can benefit them but you know if i'm just a new consumer i'm that casual consumer i want the best and you know all that flair i might be looking at sony just because they might have that better game lineup so what if you're uh a Sony fan, you want the PS5, but you don't really care much for Demon Souls because it's not your kind of game, and <laughs> and Sackboy is not your kind of game either. And you're kind of looking at your PS4 catalog, thinking, is it worth buying a PS5 right now? I have, you know, I have a hundred PS4 <laughs> games here. What what is Sony going to give to that person that wants to bring their catalog of PS4 games over? What do you, what do you expect to see here? I guess. I'm anticipating that Sony is going to detail their backwards compatibility in a clearer, more coherent way than when they originally talked about it. I think if they could come out and they could say, here's The Last of Us Part Two running on PlayStation 5 through backwards compatibility mode, these are the benefits you're getting. It might be enough for people to say, okay. Or even Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. If they can look at it and say, oh, now it's actually like 60 frames a second. It's true 4K via you know backwards compatibility you might have enough people say, I bought the game, I started playing it, I put it down because I really didn't want to play it on my PlayStation 4 anymore, knowing the PS5 is coming. That could be enough. I'm just concerned because we've seen over the last few days, and I don't want to talk about this too much, this is a different discussion, but we've we've seen discussions about the Xbox Series X, how it's not capable of, of doing back compatibility and up-resing to 4K because, I mean, that system was never designed for it, but if Sony doesn't give us a, I'll say an upscaled 4K 60 frames experience on their current current games, is that going to be a disappointment to people? I mean, by all rights, we've seen the outrage about the Series S not doing that backwards compatibility to like 4K for the Xbox 360 games and such, and it's just using the Xbox One S profile. It's not getting the Xbox One X benefits. I mean, by that right... People should be outraged. We've seen the outrage over the Xbox, so people should be equally upset with Sony. But that's the thing, Nate. I, I, Will I, that happen? I don't, I don't think know. it's gonna. I don't think Sony has invested anywhere near as much time in this as and money that right. than Microsoft has. Look, th- there's definitely a a solution for this, but I mean, I'm I, I hate to say, it, but I think it's just going to be uh you know maybe just a, an, an up up res um but because you know getting 60 frames out of a game that has 30 all of a sudden now that requires game specific patching and look it's not it's not difficult to do that stuff but there is a time commitment to do that and i think where it really gets gets interesting is these things have to be tested and they have to be tested thoroughly so you know that that whole qa process when you when you're um developing a game and you're at, at that point where it's it's almost retail, you've got a release candidate and you're testing the game. I mean, you essentially have to do the same thing over again with a a new kind of build, right? I mean, if you've got if you've got a four K sixty Bloodborne um up your sleeve, and I hope they do, because that's that's what I want, um <laughs> someone has to be testing that game from start to finish to make sure there's no game breaking issues. And I think I don't I don't think Sony has invested anywhere near as much time than Microsoft has on that stuff. So I I yeah. guess what I'm saying, Nate, is prepare for disappointment on, 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 on that one. Yeah, I mean, Sony's backwards compatibility, it seems like they're just gunning for serviceable and not, you know, exceptional. Yep. Whereas Microsoft is looking to be an exceptional backwards compatibility piece of hardware. And 
like to your point, if I'm Naughty Dog and I have The Last of Us Part Two, and they're saying, well, let's make it backwards compatible on the PS5 when you want to take advantage of some of that hardware. If I'm Sony, wouldn't I have a bigger interest of maybe you guys rendering it better to yeah. take advantage of my PlayStation 5 and me re-releasing it as the Last of Us Part Two remastered? Yeah, like they did with the PS3 to the PS4, right? Right. It's in, yeah, it's in my interest for you guys to get better resolution and better frame performance so I can charge... Let's, yeah, let's come in on a budget price and say $40 so I can charge you to double dip. Yep. That would be my interest as the publisher then to give you a backwards compatibility you know, profile that's going to give you all these benefits, whereas Microsoft is sitting there saying, subscribe to Game Pass. You can play Ninja Gaiden Black 4K, 60 frames a second. We're going back and looking at some of those original Xbox games like Fusion Frenzy, and we're adding HDR. Mm-hmm. Like That's, wow, Microsoft, you guys are going above and beyond and I mean, at the end of the day, it's business. If Sony's business model is we rather remaster these and you know make you double dip, that's what we're gonna do. Whereas Microsoft is saying, let's gain a little uh, goodwill with the customer, update these games in backwards compatibility to make you kind of sit there and say, whoa, Game Pass is a great value. Yeah. It's still business in the end. One is just, I wanna sell you the game again. The other one is I wanna sell you a yearly subscription. Yeah. But it's it's definitely an interesting conversation that Maybe after Wednesday, we'll have more answers to Sony's backwards compatibility solution. Hopefully, they do flesh it out more than what we've seen them do with the PlayStation 4, which was essentially nothing. And I mean, like my PS3, I have PlayStation 1 games that are forever trapped there. It's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate <laughs> part of life that we have some games that would that just are sitting there. And Metal Gear Solid 4, obviously, is, is the big one. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully they'll... they'll um, listen to the cries of of help that that people want and you know we'll see some some information down the line about ps1 ps2 ps3 is probably not going to happen but it would be nice if they if they gave it some some respect and some attention that maybe it deserves you know yeah i would expect to hear something about like ps1 ps2 maybe sometime next year because we really don't know how development of you know maybe the backwards compatibility compatibility was influenced by covid we don't know if they had to shift resources off of it to get mm-hmm. some games ready for launch or you know there's so many other factors internally that we don't have specific information for right now yep. but if they can come out sometime next year and say here's ps1 ps2 i will applaud sony for that that's a good move it's exactly what i want to see them do i want them to embrace their roots and give us at least the option to access some of those legacy titles because microsoft is going you know, they're just going so far beyond what anyone would have anticipated for backwards compatibility of just going back and adding 120 frames a second to some 360 games and original Xbox games and HDR and all these modern features. And Sony doesn't have to match that. I just want PS1 and PS2 games. Yep. I'd be happy. Um, now, what type of hardware features do you think we're going to see from Sony? You think we're just going to get a basic overview? They're going to have, you know, the system as a slide and you say, Here's the main menu. Here's our folder system. Here's the user interface. We're just going to run through this really quick in like five minutes, give you guys an idea of what you're going to see when you boot up the system on day one, that type of thing. Yeah, I think so. I, I think they'll definitely show us the UI and and, and really push how, how snappy it is and, and how you can seamlessly jump in and out of, of different games. You, you know, maybe they'll have a couple of them, you know, running at the same time and you can, you know, you can transfer between them. 
I, I definitely think it'll be a showcase of of the updates they've made to their the UI. But I also think they'll probably talk about the storage and the expandability of that and what that means, what that will look like as far as, you know, your options there, because that that's kind of up in the air right now um, as far as what they're doing. I mean, we know that they're, they're, they're going the, the kind of the M2 route, which is, which is cool, but there's a lot of questions about, well, what's, what's the appropriate drive I should be looking for and, and do they even exist and how much are they going to cost and all that? And, you know, Microsoft has their those cartridge expansions that they're they're talking about as well. They don't they haven't really talked about theirs either. But I think Sony will will show us you know what what that is and and probably more discussions on the Dual Sense and and how that works and and maybe I know we we saw you know we've already seen some of that stuff, but maybe again just some more information about the Dual Sense and how it integrates into the into the system because I mean there was again. A little bit of disappointment when you know we were told that you couldn't use your existing PS4 DualShock controller um, over to the PS5, which I don't think is a big deal personally. But um, you know, I think more more along the lines of, of of the DualSense as well. And and yeah, I mean, I think I think those things would would round up kind of the the hardware features and, and the UI side of, of the presentation, which I think they're probably going to talk about for about ten minutes or so. I would imagine. Yeah, I'm not expecting them to commit too much time to it. Maybe they price some of the accessories. Maybe they do talk about the storage solution, like you mentioned, just to say, hey, our proprietary you know, memory solution is yep. priced at $250. Mm-hmm. And people say, damn, <laughs> system is $599, $250 memory card. Man. And yeah, you know, quick overview, give everyone an idea of what to expect, because Microsoft has been showing us the UI and everything for months now. There's no surprise when we're going to boot up the Xbox Series X or Series S and see the main screen. We yep. know exactly what we're getting. And Sony has kind of hyped up in their own little way that they are not going to use the exact same user interface that the PlayStation 4 has. They have come up with a new thing. So I'm interested to see how they address a new cross-media bar. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it is nice and seamless because I did find the PlayStation 4 to get a little slow. The more software I had on the system, it slowed yeah. down considerably. Me too. So, I, I like the cross-media bar on the PS3. Mm-hmm. And even even when you had that thing loaded full of games, it still was quite snappy. And, and maybe they can kind of go back to something that was like that again. I, I'm a fan of the cross-media bar. So if we can maybe go back to something like that where it was very, very quick and, and, and seamless, I'd be I'd be pretty happy. Definitely. So now we're going to have some fun. Oh, God. This is the part. <laughs> we are going to give some of the new software announcement speculation and guesses as to what we might see that hasn't been announced for the PlayStation 5 at this event. We've already kind of talked about the launch window games. I'm anticipating that we're going to get updates on pretty much anything coming out in those first six months. So be it Gran Turismo, Horizon 2, Ratchet & Clank, etc. We're probably going to you know see all those games again. But it wouldn't be a Sony event without some brand new software. Mm-hmm. So let's let's speculate about what oh could be the show. We've seen the rumors. The rumors about like the Silent Hill been out there since June, and we continue to wait for Silent Hill to make some noise. We've talked about Square Enix and what they could have. Is it time for Final Fantasy 16? There was some tweets uh, yesterday or the day before about that that. You know, it's possible it's possible there's a new final fantasy game i don't and we're talking about this on the spawn cast but i don't think silent hill 
is real right now. Um, <laughs> or maybe maybe it's real, but I don't expect to see it at this show. But, you know, yep. I, I could be wrong. And, and look, I would love to be proven wrong. But if it is Silent Hill, Nate, what kind of Silent Hill game is it? Is it just a reimagining of the first game? Or what, what does that look like? If Silent Hill does make a showing at this, and I'm 50-50 on whether or not it is at this event, I 100% believe it exists. I 100% believe it is the team behind Siren is developing it within Sony. I don't know if this is the time to really introduce it, especially if the release isn't until 2022. I don't think they have to do it now. You can kind of hold that in your back pocket. But if it does show, I am kind of expecting like a reimagining of the franchise itself, not just Silent Hill 1. Mm-hmm. I'm anticipating them to just reintroduce us to Silent Hill as a whole right. and have their vision of what they want this franchise to be. And I don't know how many people played Siren on the PlayStation 3. I believe it was Siren Bloodlust. Mm-hmm. It was called. The game was fantastic. It was atmospheric. It was creepy. It was well-developed. And the Siren franchise just never really took off. Blood Siren. That's what it was. Blood Siren. Yeah. And it never took off. It, I believe it was digital only in North America. It got a physical release in Japan and Europe, but it was a great game. And to see them potentially take on Silent Hill would be really exciting because a lot of the developers within that development team used to be part of Team Silent. Yep. And you know what? It's no better, you know, team to give it to. The only thing I could see working against it is people might have the expectation that it would be similar to PT. And that would be an unfair expectation for this game to go into. It would be. Because, I mean, that was Kojima's vision, right? Yeah. Yep. But if it's at this event, I could see, you know, a lot of fans get excited. Yeah. I I do struggle with the idea of seeing Silent Hill at this particular event. I think instead of Silent Hill, we see Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, there's a pretty good chance that, I, that Final Fantasy 16, at least what I think, you know, my prediction there's a pretty good chance that that final fantasy 16 will be part of this event what about what about my favorite bloodborne 2 Ooh, i have to go with no based on damn it Nate. demon demon souls is probably gonna get dated demon souls are there we know that he's busy working on elden ring i think we're a yeah. little too early for bloodborne 2 maybe maybe next year we got a Bloodborne too. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Waiting, hold on. Blood, blood, to come to PC. Bloodborne came out in 2015, dude. That's he's been, it's he's like been busy. five years. It's been five <laughs> years. Let's. It, it's been five years. So Miyazaki, I mean, I know he's been busy, but you know he's got a he's got a large team of people that work for him. So, yes, but he's on Elden Ring. <laughs> And George R. R. Martin's involved with that game, and we know it takes him about 15 years to write a book, so we're probably looking at a 25-year development cycle on Elden Ring. Sounds like it's going to be suicide up. to me. <laughs> Come on, I, I, I've got hope for Bloodborne. I, I, look, I, I'm, I'm totally fanboying, but I, I want to see a new Bloodborne game. I think that would be awesome if they announce it. And look, I don't care if they give it the Metroid treatment where they just show the logo and, and, and that's it. You know, give us some oh. indication that it's it's in the works. I mean, we're probably going to get Bloodborne on PC probably by the end of this year, maybe early of next early next year. Would would that be enough to satisfy your cravings? Well, I mean, it would be the four K sixty version of the game. That would be that would that would really sweeten it. Let's put it that way. That, that'd be pretty good. I'd be pretty happy with that. 
See, you want the Metroid treatment for a Sony first party, and I wouldn't be surprised if we did get this, the Metroid treatment for a Sony first party at this event. Yeah. But I could be Bloodborne. I think it's for God of War. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, that, yeah. It, it could be time for uh, for for a new God of War game. I know Corey Balrog was. I don't know. I mean, I never read into these like these tweets, man. You know, like with emojis and stuff. You know, like I, I just I can't I can't think about those things because people like make these tweets all the time and people just take them out of context or or they're just trolling. So, you know, I. But, you know, Corey Balrog has been making some kind of interesting tweets recently. Maybe it is time for a new God of War. I mean, you know, it's been a couple of years since we saw the last game. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense to me that, that they would they would show something, maybe some, you know, very similar to, you know, what we saw with, um, with uh, Hellblade 2, where it's kind of in development right now, but they're not really committing to anything. I mean, that, that would be kind of cool. So... Yeah, maybe maybe there's some God of War stuff. Yeah, I'm expecting God of War as far as like a first party. Oh my God, announcement! Like I don't think we're going to see anything from Naughty Dog. I don't think we're going to see it Uncharted. Or I can see the Bloodborne. Do, do you think if it's God of War, it closes out the show? Yeah, I think you just kind of need him to yell, have the blades come down, or you just see his eyes or something, and just be God of War PS5. Yeah, coming soon. Yep, and you know by Sony standards, coming soon means. 2025 <laughs> something just something like that to close out the show and get you excited because i'm kind of viewing this show as that that pre-launch conference yeah where you hype uh, you know you hype the machine up so come november you can sell those units and you're going to give them that promise of we're making a new god of war and that's going to excite the fans and say yo they just announced a new god of war and you know everyone's going to have that discussion what is it we don't know we just saw his head yeah. And it doesn't matter. We saw the logo, but we know it's coming. Yeah. And that's all fans need to know sometimes. You just need to know there's a new entry to the series coming. And I think the timing is right for that. So, I mean, we really haven't gone over much in terms of new announcements because I don't think the primary focus of the show is new announcements. But if they did come with a new God of War, Final Fantasy 16, and, you know, maybe a handful of indies here and there, but they date a lot of the already known software. Yep. I think that's enough for Sony. I think that's a strong show. And unfortunately it does counter everything microsoft did last week because microsoft didn't have a presentation because everything leaked and they were forced to just confirm the information as quickly as possible but this is this would be a good show for sony i think it would excite their base it would excite the more casual audience who if they can pre-order after the show is done yeah they're man. gonna find a retailer and drop a pre-order dude that that, that that's uh that's a kind of a, a one-two combo right there like if you if you show a god of war trailer and then say pre-order the PlayStation Five immediately after the show. I mean, the hype levels would be would be off off the chain there, and I think people would really get on board with that. You know, even, yeah. even you're right. Even if the game does come out in 2025, right? It doesn't matter. You know, you, you've just you've just gone. You've whipped up the, yeah. the audience into a frenzy at that point. Yep, and you're gonna drop that pre-order, and you show like Final Fantasy 16. That that'll excite some people. Maybe you show some ps4 remasters coming to the system or you fully flesh out your backwards compatibility you date all those games you know you have ratchet and clank let's just say that's like you know february horizons march launches sack boy with demon souls miles is december yep i think that's enough to get people say i'm slapping down that pre-order yeah i understand maybe i'm waiting you know two or three months like ratchet and clank is my interest for launch like i wanted to buy a ps5 for ratchet and clank and then i would pick up demon souls as the companion piece of software 
Now, if Ratchet isn't there day one and it is January, I'll still buy the system at launch because I'll say, well, no, I'll just play Demon Souls. Yep. And I'll enjoy that instead while I wait for Ratchet. But I'm not going to wait the three months to buy the system. If I can get it day one, right. I'll get it day one. But don't forget, I mean, you'll be playing like Cyberpunk and, you know, mm-hmm. Ubisoft games, uh, Gods and Monsters and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, there's, there's going there's gonna, to <laughs> be plenty to, uh, to play on your PS5 um, from, yeah. from third parties as well. Right. And that's, I think it's going to be a pretty entertaining show from Sony. I know, I feel like we didn't overhype this. I think this is very leveled i think this is a good expectation to go into updates on known software and maybe just a yeah you know a handful of brand new announcements it's nothing like oh my like i think if you go into this expecting silent hill final fantasy 16 bloodborne 2 and all of, you know just megaton after megaton you're setting yourself up for disappointment yes. just expect one or two big new announcements just to generate excitement Correct. for the platform this this is it. this is a housekeeping event where they have to yeah. basically yeah i mean you know go through their their backlog of of information and talk mm-hmm. about what's coming and yeah there'll be probably 15 minutes or so devoted or maybe 20 minutes or so devoted to the hype factor of of you know up yep. and coming announcements absolutely agree with you yeah this i view this yeah kind of you said this is like an open house and they framed the house now with a new couch so when you <laughs> saw it last month you're like, oh, I like this house, you know, but you know, there's something I'm not sold on it yet. And now they framed it and it came in with a couple of new pieces of furniture being yeah. like Final Fantasy 16 and God of War. And you're like, whoa, you know, I got to put in a deposit. Yep. I love this house. It's like, it's like when Shenmue 3 Kickstarter went live. <laughs> Everyone went crazy for it. But then it was like, hang on a minute. When is when, when is, did I just, what did I do? And when is this game coming out? And who's making it? And, <laughs> you know, all that stuff, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's you, the same kind of thing. Yeah, use the hype to get the that knee-jerk reaction and you don't have time to think because you get so excited and you just react to the hype. And then once you kind of think about it, you say, wait a second. <laughs> I didn't have to do that now. But it doesn't matter. And then you're like, well, I'm not going to cancel it. I may as well keep it. Yeah. And that's, that's Sony's masterful marketing plan. They do it better than anybody. That's how they get you. It's worked on, it's worked on me for years, I tell you that. Yep, I have to admit the same. It's also worked on me. It's sad to admit <laughs> I bought no, that, uh, that that crimson red Metal Gear Solid Four oh, uh, PS4, God. which I, I love that thing, but I've never taken it out of the box. What am I doing with it? That's like when I got the pre-order in for the uh, 25th anniversary PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. Yep, I had the pre-order in. I had the email. Everything's locked in. And I'm looking. I'm like, I have a gold PlayStation Four from Taco Bell that I'm using. <laughs> I don't want to what am I going to do with this 25th one except keep it in the box? Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess I could get it and I'll sell it. Yeah. And I was looking at the prices and the prices were almost identical to what the unit was actually costing me. I was like, I can't even flip it yep. for you know, a couple hundred bucks. I was like, I'm just going to cancel the pre-order. I'll let someone who actually wants it mm-hmm. have it. But in the moment when all those pre-orders are going up, I was like, yo, let me see if I can get it. I did. And a day later, I was like, I don't need this. Yep. I need to drop a couple hundred bucks. That's something I'm never going to take out of the box. Yep. What am I doing? But it was exciting. It had a cool design. The controller looked awesome. But I wasn't going to use the controller. So who gave a damn what it looked yeah. like? I mean, unless you're a, a collector and you're, you're planning on, on showcasing right. it in, in your house as some kind of you know collect, yeah. collector's piece, I don't really see the purpose of that stuff. Yeah, I streamed on camera and I had like a bookcase of all miscellaneous gaming stuff and the press kits I've got over the year and I could have that front and center next to the gold PlayStation 4. Then it would be worthwhile in just my house. I don't need this big PlayStation 4 box just sitting there. 
It's just, it's just a dust collector. That's right. <laughs> Here we go. Streamlab questions. We had Raptor FX who donated three dollars. Who says hello there? When can we expect the N64 and maybe GameCube for Nintendo Switch Online? Or will there be another solution for them like Virtual Console? There was already two years ago the N64 gamepad image found in, in found in Switch style like for the other systems. Thanks. I wouldn't expect GameCube or N64 on Switch in the near future. Maybe 2021 we get N64, but with Mario 64 coming out in the 3D All-Stars collection, and that's kind of the 64 game, I don't see them offering 64 on Nintendo Switch Online at least for another year, if at all. I'm not sure how the emulation would really work for N64 on Switch. And GameCube, I think it would be in their interest to HD GameCube games and charge you, you know, $20, $30 instead of just throwing them on the service that's $20 a year. They could make more money HDing some of those GameCube games and giving them away for such a budget price. I agree with everything you said. I, I think the only thing I'll, I'll say to add to what you said, Nate, was right now it's it's a few days or three days or so before the launch of 3D All-Stars. So we don't technically know if Mario 64 is emulation or if it's a port, even though it looks like it's emulation. Um, that kind of really makes me wonder, you know, it, depending on, on what the outcome of that will depend whether we actually ever see N64 online or, or if we don't, I guess is the answer there. Yep. Then we had a $3.50 donation from Loch Ness Monster who wrote, what would Google have to do to make Stadia relevant in the gaming space after the new console releases? And would it be worthwhile for them to continue trying? No, it would not be worthwhile for them to continue to try. The fundamental flaws of Stadia are vast, and it's just that it's a product no one really wants to use. It's You don't own a product, you don't own any of the games that you're paying for, and you are reliant on you know internet reliability, data caps. There's just too many barriers for Stadia right now, and I think Google would really have to evaluate their entire business plan and in probably embrace something closer to a Game Pass model where it's $50 a year, gains you access to all these games on our service and not an individual, well, here's you know Stadia Pro, here's a handful of free games and the rest you have to buy. I think if they went more of a rental Game Pass type service, they would find better success. But I just don't think the Stadia model is functional in the long term and Google will probably abandon it by late 2021. I I want to add one thing to that. I, I, I The thing is, right now we have xCloud and we have Stadia and sure, there are other players involved, but let, let's say it's, X, it's, it's, it's xCloud versus Stadia. Right now, today, none of, neither Microsoft or Google has their software built into televisions. So if somehow stadium makes its way into smart tvs as just the de facto kind of standard for playing video games then they may have a better chance than they currently have which is almost nothing so it may bump them up slightly to maybe you know a little more more respectability but yeah i mean the the road for stadia is long and tough and it just Mm -hmm. seems like they're they're going to uh you know fall apart over the next few years Then we had a $10 donation from Skit Tittles, who writes, 
Nate, I know a lot of people have started to listen to you in hopes of leaks, but let's jump back to the past. Did you have any situations where information you were skeptic skeptical about in the past ended up being true? An example would be wonderful. Yes, I had heard a lot of various stuff over the years that ended up becoming true. I remember I had heard a rumor years ago, not way before YouTube, of Sony actually having some sort of weird motion controller. And I remember when it was described to me as having a big glowing globe on top of it. And I was like, this sounds like nonsense. <laughs> and it ended up being PlayStation Move. And I guess a like, more recent example would be, oh boy. Uh, when I first heard Ori and the Blind Forest were coming to Switch, it kind of it was like Microsoft is going to bring another one of their IPs to Nintendo beyond Minecraft, and it, I had hesitated on it for a while, and eventually I had heard it again from other contacts. I was like, okay, this is sounding legit, and then all of a sudden we were seeing a lot of the leaks and reports coming out of like Xbox Live being incorporated into other future switch games i was like okay this that was part of the information i had heard and you know lo and behold ori and the blind forest was confirmed for switch late last year and i mean a lot of the information that comes across my way i always look at with a very discerning eye where it's like you sound real but if you sound real it typically means you might be too safe and that probably means you're fake if you sound fake you're probably fake, but yeah. you might have some truth to you. And it, I mean, it's a balancing act. That's why you have sources, you verify information through numerous sources and you, you know, you check as much as you can. It, you can't take any information just at face value. Then we had a $1 donation from cool dude, super noob who writes switch online killer app idea, a standalone app to browse and play levels created in super Mario maker two online high score table and or achievements incentive or could that be too much work for nintendo to implement as always love listening to you both keep it up i would say the latter statement by you is correct it is too much for nintendo to implement it's a great idea though i mean i i definitely like where you where you headed with that one but yeah i think nintendo probably is not is not interested in in building something like that then we had a two dollar donation from pori 64 Think we'll see Klonoa soon after that Klonoa Encore trademark has been finalized. Maybe next partner showcase. Thanks for the podcast. I always look forward to it. That is a comment after my own heart. I want to see Klonoa on the Switch as soon as possible. Maybe Tokyo Game Show. Klonoa seems like a good Tokyo Game Show announcement. If there's a partner direct before the Tokyo Game Show, maybe then. But I... I agree. I think it's time for Klonoa. I think Klonoa Encore should be announced for Switch in the near future, hopefully in 2020, and release early 2021. Klonoa is a franchise that never got the recognition or love it deserves. Then we had a $3 donation from Jared Helder, who writes, We haven't heard anything about a new Mario Kart for the Switch. With Mario Kart 8 Deluxe selling as well as it is, at what point do you think we'll see Mario Kart 9? don't know i mean do we need to see mario kart 9 there it's it's just keeps selling and selling and selling they've got the ar um mario kart game coming out this holiday for the younger audience i mean do they even need to make a new mario kart game like this is this is something i've i've kind of struggled with as well that you know they should be making a new mario kart game but then i think to myself well they've sold so many units of the current game 
they don't need to. I mean, this could be this could be it for the generation. Yeah, that's where I struggle with it because Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is probably going to sell 30 million plus units, which is nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Why would you cannibalize it? You know, why would you why would you kill it off? You know, prematurely. You know, I mean, if if the sales numbers are are starting to to drop and there is that that real kind of decline in, in numbers then yeah maybe you start to think about well what's next for for the the you know the franchise or the series but right now i mean it, it's just killing it just keep yeah, it it's, it's it's tough because like the mario kart team's last big release was arms that was back in 2017 so we're now three years into what would have been for them you know a new development cycle for a game and i had heard you know, very loose rumors dating back to last year of Mario Kart 9 to some capacity. I believe the information at the time had confused Mario Kart Tour possibly as a new Mario Kart, or maybe the information was accurate and there is a Mario Kart 9 in development. Maybe it would release next year if they really feel the need to get a new Mario Kart out there. But as like we kind of already discussed, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was within that, you know, the launch window for the Switch, and it has done amazing. The sales numbers each year are just spectacular, but they didn't give us new DLC with this game, and that was a missed opportunity. And that's the one thing that sits in the back of my mind that kind of makes me believe that they are making a new Mario Kart. And it's really a question of, do you launch it on this current Switch, or do you try to replicate what you did with the 2017 launch of Switch, and you wait for Switch 2 and have Mario Kart within that first you know, three to four months and you launch with that strong multiplayer game. That's, you know, that's an answer I don't have. Hopefully, you know, we do get a new Mario Kart, you know, in the next couple of years, but you know, we'll find out if it's going to be for the current switch or the switch successor. Yep. You know, when the time comes. And then we had a $1 donation from Nexus who said, how surprised would you be to see 64 sunshine and galaxy sold separately after March, 2021? And could that possibly lead to the return of the virtual console? If so, what price points be for 64 GameCube and Wii games on the returning virtual console service? Um, Yeah, I could see them selling those games separately. And this is going to sound harsh. Nintendo has to price those games perfectly. Because yes. if you come out at $20 price points for each of those three games... It's got to be like 10 10 and 20 maybe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, can't yeah, be, it can't be $20 each. No, and if you come at $20 each, I'd really sit there and say you should have just kept the physical collection on the shelf if you're still charging $60 for all three games because there's no incentive. You know, you didn't differentiate between the collection and just selling these three games for 60 bucks. So they have to come in like, yeah, 10 10 20 to create that value if they do separately. I'm sure they will. That's too much money for them to lose by doing this time release. They're going to want to continue to sell these games. I wouldn't take them as a hint of a return of the virtual console for N64, GameCube, or Wii games because, as we touched on in that earlier question, these games may be ports. They're not necessarily native emulation, whereas the virtual console would be emulation, and that can cause some problems, especially with GameCube and Wii games. That might be a little difficult. And, you know, ports, ports are ports. They're for the native hardware. They're for the Switch itself. And Nintendo isn't going to port GameCube and Wii games to a virtual console system. They'd rather do like what we're doing with this 3D All-Star collection. They would want to HD them, maybe add 16 by 9, 
Nintendo and, uh, you know, 1080p, 60 frames a second, you know, give us some updates so they can charge you a premium price. Then we had a $100 donation, which means this episode is dedicated to Calvin Atkinson. I forgot to mention you at the start. We'll do it on the next episode to rectify that problem. And Calvin writes, hi, Nate and MVG. Great podcast. What do you think the chances are of a Sonic game being announced in 2021 for 30th anniversary? And do you think it would likely be a follow-up to Mania or a new 3D game made by Sonic Team? No. No, I, I'm I'm done trying to figure out what's next for Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing coming. There is nothing coming. Sorry. There's nothing Damn. coming. This this could be my moment, you know, where where you know you were asked the question, did you get something wrong that you didn't believe in? This is it for me. I, I just I can't get I can't believe that there's a new Sonic game right now. Sega broke you. They really have. I, I'm you know, this year they had all those, you know, those teasers and, and talk about, hey, there's gonna be one announcement every month and it's you know, the anniversary of Sonic and what have we got? I mean we're we're into hey. They did put out a 30th anniversary logo today. Oh, uh, great, great! I love it. I love it. But we don't have any anything new to play, and, and I think that's the frustration. So, right. again, hopefully, I'm 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 proven wrong. Please prove me wrong, Sega. Please prove me wrong. I think we see a new Mania. I think we see a Mania too. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a remaster of one of the older games, like a like Sonic Generations or maybe like Sonic Colors, something like that. Maybe release in early 2021, and then later in 2021 we get a brand new Sonic game beyond just like a Mania and the remaster. We get an actual new 3D Sonic game from Sonic Team. So I could see them try to go that route. I guess the bigger question is if it is a new 3D Sonic game, is it going to be good? Yeah we really can't give sonic team the benefit of the doubt on those they kind of fall flat when they try to make 3d sonic games lately they've had some successes but they always seem to have some glaring flaw but i think 2021 could be fun for sonic fans i think sega will give us a little more than mvgs (laughs) please give us more And that does it for the Streamlab questions for this week. If you'd like to support the channel, you can make a donation to our Streamlabs link in the description below on YouTube. You can donate as little as a dollar. Ask us a question, and we will answer at the end of the episode. If you dedicate $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you. And this week's dedication goes to Calvin Atkinson. Thank you for your generosity and donation. We greatly we greatly appreciate it. And I'd like to... Je- thank nvg for joining me as always thanks for having me on Nate. this was this was fun i like uh, i like these types of discussions hopefully we'll uh, we'll get some good stuff from sony here uh, on wednesday yes we should get some fun stuff from sony on wednesday you can find nvg's channel linked in the description below and if you enjoyed this content give the video a like if you didn't give it a dislike be sure to subscribe to the channel and until next time continue to embrace the hate